Well, this is my third episode of Resurgence. I'm very excited, and I'm very excited that this is going along pretty well, actually, for it being my third episode. I'm really excited that people are excited to hear my episodes, and it's really awesome to get encouragement from people and to hear constructive criticism and to have people just respond to me on Instagram, people approaching me in person and just telling me their thoughts about it. I really enjoy it. And so thank you to all of you who listened to my last one. It really does mean a lot. I really do appreciate it genuinely and sincerely really do appreciate all of the support that I've gotten from the the small fan base that I have. So thank you for that. And Here's another episode for you guys. Before I jump into the content of this episode, um, I want to have some announcements to make beforehand. The first is just a couple quick apologies. Uh, one of them is that this podcast hasn't been consistent. It's kind of just been one here, one there, and then now this one is just like, oh, he's making another podcast episode. They're not really anticipated, and I really want to like stir that anticipation in my listeners. The, where people can't wait until the following week to hear Trenton's next episode. So I apologize for the lack of consistency, and with the summer, I hope to be a little bit more consistent with it. I'm hoping to release an episode every Monday, and that's my hope. I'm not going to promise that, but that's my hope, just because it's my day off and i got nothing better to do. So hopefully that rolls out. Um, And then the last two things are sort of tied together. As you can probably tell, excuse me, as you can probably tell, I still have crappy audio. Still got these little earbuds plugged into my laptop on GarageBand. Now, actually, I'm on GarageBand now. I was on Anchor and I switched over. So the audio should be slightly better, but also bad. So I was supposed to have equipment and I thought I was going to have the money and I didn't have the money, so I wasn't able to buy the equipment. So I apologize for that. I, I know I posted it on my Instagram story that I was going to be official soon and I still will be official soon, just not as soon as I would have hoped. So all the items are still in my cart uh, and ready to buy. I just need to get the money to buy. I mean, hey, if you guys want to start a GoFundMe for $200 for Trenton's audio equipment, that'd be pretty dope. But uh, seriously, start a GoFundMe. That'd be pretty dope. But in that... In all seriousness, it it, kind of sucked because I really wanted the audio, but I don't have it, which then leads into my third quick apology. I was supposed to have a panel discussion, and it was supposed to be on the abortion laws, but because I didn't have the equipment, I wasn't able to do that, unfortunately. So I am making another solo episode. I promise these solo episodes aren't going to be every single episode. I have more and more people reaching out to me to be guests on upcoming ones. Honestly, right now, if I were to create like a lineup, it doesn't seem like a lot, but I could probably have five or six people that want to be on, which is really cool. Really cool to hear that people want to express their opinions. And that's what this is about. That's why this is called resurgence is because I want people to have their honest and raw opinions heard. And I want it to impact the community that we're reaching out to and I want it to be, I want it to be radical, much like radical thoughts, but just with 
like a, a resurgence, like like we were dead but we're not dead. And I really I really like that people are are getting on board with this and are really wanting to be a part of this this community of of politics and and ideas and philosophy. It's really cool to see. So the panel discussion will be rolling out soon. I just need the equipment and then I'll get set up and roll it out as soon as I can. Next, uh, the other podcast that I was supposed to do on movies has not happened yet, unfortunately. I really want it to happen still, but with the whole move to Texas and everything, it just wasn't possible to get done. I didn't, I didn't have enough time to do it. I was supposed to go to Detective Pikachu, and I had to cancel on that. And then we were going to go to John Wick the following Thursday, and that didn't happen either because I was making making bigger bigger plans for, for those nights, more important plans. But hopefully we'll roll that out soon as well. The only problem is, is now my co-host will be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for the next two months, and it's... If that podcast happens, it won't be happening until August at the earliest. So I'll keep people updated on that who enjoy movies and want something fun to listen to. Hopefully we can get that out for you guys. All right. Now we can jump into today's content. I'm excited. Are you guys excited? I'm excited. You want to know why I'm excited? It's because today's content is homosexuality. Please don't back out of this episode. Please do not. I can, I can already see it in my mind a bunch of people. I, I've already tried to, to get out of the episode because they're like, oh, not this again, beating a dead horse. And you're right. I am beating a dead horse. But I don't. I was just thinking about stuff that to make content on and economics aren't my thing. I really would rather have a, a guest on to talk about economics. And the only big social issues that are really going on right now are immigration the, the whole Mueller thing and abortion and the Mueller reports are boring. Immigration should be a conversation no more. And abortion is still a little heated and I want that to, to calm down a little bit and, and wait, which is why I think the panel discussion for a later date is, is good. There's not so much emotion circling around it. Maybe it'll be a little bit more logical, a little bit more surrounded with facts than feelings. So Shout out to, to Ben Shapiro, the guy that you guys know that I don't like a whole lot from the first episode. So I decided to do homosexuality, and I thought it would be appropriate to do with the whole month being Pride Appreciation, Pride Month, however the LGBTQ community calls it. Sorry, I pronounced, I just murdered that. I really do apologize if there's anybody in that community that listens to this. I mean no offense, in what I'm about to say over the course of, I don't know how long, half hour, hour, I really don't. I am speaking from my opinion, biblical standards, and and history. Uh, the, the purpose of this is not to bash Pride Month. It's to encourage Christians to take a different approach than the approach that I have seen in past years. So this is for Christians, but if you are... A person who is not a Christian, who don't identify as any sort of Christian belief system or anything, I still recommend that you stay on. Listen, because either I could convert you, which would be really cool if I could, but also if you have any any bitterness towards Christians who maybe have hurt you in this topic 
or people that have done negative things with the with the the gay community i i want to i want this episode to be i guess sort of an educational episode on how christians should really be responding now i'm not claiming to be an expert by any means i'm just a just a 19 year old kid sitting in this really hot living room with a pair of earbuds in expressing his his opinion because he feels like he should I have <laughs> I have no PhD. I have no schooling in this. I have read books on book on this. I've talked to people from both sides about this. I stand on a side myself, which should be pretty obvious of which one I do. But if you don't know, I am against homosexuality. But I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into all of that later soon. But later, so. That is going to be the topic of this this episode. Please stay. Please listen. Please reach out to me if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Trigger warning. I'm going to say some things that I'm not trying to be offensive, but what I am going to say can be offensive, but it's not my goal, but it can be. And because I see it as truth, I'm not going to back down from it. So I'm not really apologizing. I'm just, I'm just warning warning you warning you guys but at the same time I'm I'm not out to get anybody I have no hidden agendas here my agenda is to merely share what I what I believe is truth so pride month why is june pride month that I don't know <laughs> that's not why I'm here I'm not here to talk about why pride month is june what pride month is I do know that it is because of the stonewall riots in manhattan in 1969, which is a really, really, really long time ago <laughs> for me, it was born in 99. I guess it's not really, really long time. It was only 30 years before. Shout out to all the people who were born in 1969. But that's that's where the, the whole pride appreciation comes into play. I, that was the first, I believe, the first real movement that the the gay community did to, to gain their freedom, the the rights that they believe that they need and are entitled to. And and ever since I d I wouldn't say it's getting better, but ever since there's been there's been more and more stepping stones towards in, in not towards, but in favor of the LGBTQ community. I hope I got it right that time. So that was that was just like the I guess the what what they see as the the starting point of their of their movement of their civil movement, and then Obama legalized gay marriage. It can no longer be discriminated against in in states, which I believe was also in June 2014, 2015. I remember where I was. I remember I was actually at a vacation Bible study when I found all this out, which was in June. So that also was in the month of June. So that's why June is Pride Month. So the next thing I'm going to outline is how how Christians approach this. How have Christians reacted to all of this? And my answer is not very well. Christians were really dropping the ball <laughs> in this in this area of discussion with with this group of people. I really I really believe we're dropping the ball. I really really feel like we have done a, a disservice to the people of this community. I, I truly believe that Christians have treated this community as lesser than and worse, worse off than than what the Christian community is. And I don't think it's right. 
I've seen it happen in the Westboro Church. I've seen it happen across the, the United States. It, individuals, organizations, it, it's happening across the globe. Uh, there's been videos in the Middle East of gay men who were beheaded. Even though I disagree with homosexuality, it doesn't mean I believe somebody should die over it, and especially by the hand of another sinful man. And again, I'll dive into that later. So I don't, I don't think Christians have have acted appropriately um, with all of this. I think Christians have been very judgmental, very discriminatory, and I don't think that I don't think that's correct. However, I have to say this before I forget, when it comes to a business, I believe Christians have handled it somewhat well, not allowing services, their services, to the gay community. And that is because of our religious beliefs. It really is. It's not just because, it's not just because, there are people where they do hate gays, but it's not because they hate gays, it's because the the Bible in Romans talks about people who've done sinful things and what what they will be getting as a result of that, which is which is hell, condemnation. And then it also says in those who give approval to those practices. And so for instance, a a gay wedding. A Christian a Christian baker probably believes that if he bakes a cake for a gay wedding, that he is giving approval to this wedding, and so he cannot bake this cake. As discriminatory as it seems, you could reverse it back on to the government because the baker's been discriminated against for having his this re- religious free will that he has, and so that is that, that is the only the only cases where I've seen uh, injustice against Christians. Other than that, I, I do believe that the the jokes and the the hatred and the abuse, when I say abuse, it's verbal verbal abuse that the Christians have done against the gay community, I, I believe that that is all wrong, and I believe that it can be handled much, much, much differently than it has been in the past. And so that that is the purpose of this. So, big question. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? The Bible mentions homosexuality. It never mentions gay. It never mentions lesbian. It never mentions queer. It never mentions straight. It doesn't mention those words. Those are relatively new words. It does say homosexuality and homosexual, and it, though it, I don't believe it really explicitly, you know, talks about gay sex or anything like that uh it definitely talks talks about it and and you know that it is talking about it and that there is a disapproval of it in the bible and so the the question that i know a lot of people ask is why why are christians so against this christians hate hate gays and and they're they push their they push their their religion on other people and and so where where is this all coming from Obviously, this is this is another community that's saying this against the Christians. But do Christians even know what the what the Bible says about homosexuality? When I was a sophomore, I believe it was when I was a sophomore in high school, I read a book called "What Does the Bible Say About Homosexuality." It was a short book, and it really was good. I really enjoyed it because it opened up some things to me that I haven't realized. And I, I think I'm going to read it again because 
my memory of everything in that book is a little fuzzy. But one thing I do remember is what it talks about, about what it talks about in Genesis. Very, very interesting what Genesis says. And I'm going to start in Genesis. So in Genesis, everybody knows, even if you're not a Christian, you probably know that the Bible says that God created man and woman. And why is this? I'll get to that answer. But I just want to point out the, the not a correlation, the, wow, man, I, I am at loss of words right now. The, com, the compatibleness of, of nature, of, of the creation, the complement, yeah, how nature complements itself. God created day and night. You can't have two days. You can't have a constant day. You have day and you have night. That's how God created it. It's hetero. It's a hetero relationship. It complements each other. You have the heavens and the earth. complements each other. You have water and land. It complements each other. You have creatures of the land and creatures of the air. And you have vegetation. It all complements each other. And then finally you have man and you have woman. And it complements each other. And God gave men specific specific male traits there's a reason why there's you know there's x and y chromosomes it's not just because it's some scientific cool thing that scientists decided to come up with there's there's distinct characteristics between the x and the y chromosome and that is male and female and and it was designed by god way back in the beginning of time to to complement each other the the woman was created to be a helper and a supporter and a friend to the man and the man was created to to work and to I mean Adam Adam and Eve took care of the guardian Adam took care of the garden of the garden did I say guardian I meant to say garden he took care of the garden and he named the animals and he worked and Eve was his his helper she wasn't lesser than him by any means the Bible never says that women are less lesser than men they just have different roles and both roles are very important. And if you have one role without the other role, then your role doesn't, doesn't complete the purpose that it is intended to complete. And you can't, you can't get that with, with two men or two women. I mean, one of the best examples I think is parenting. When you have a, a father and a mother, they both have different characteristics. They both have different responsibilities called and willed by God. And they pour that into their children. It's said and is an example for society, not just families, but society as a whole. And when you lose that, then the consequences can be pretty detrimental. It, and it wasn't intended to be. It, it's not natural. Creation, what happens in creation is the natural way for it was the natural way for things to happen it was perfect they were born into a perfect world now you could use the argument well you know it doesn't prove that homosexuality is wrong because yeah you had to start somewhere and you just happened to create one man and one woman maybe to introduce us to genders but what about like he it could have been adam and and steve sure yeah I mean, if you don't know anything about God, then you know that God can do anything and he can do whatever he wants and it'll be good. And if God wanted to create two men in the garden, and if that was natural, then that's what he would have done. He would have done it, but he didn't do it. And that's why it is natural for a man and a woman to be together. 
and it's because of it's because of the 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 complement the complementary characteristics that they have for each other. They're like puzzle pieces that j- fit just right because that's how God wanted it to be. And then you look at the rest of the Bible that then even furthers the argument that God intended for, for marriage and relationships to be a heterosexual relationship. People were punished because it wasn't the natural way. And, and, and punishments, pun, punishment happens because if, when, you, when you disobey somebody who creates a law, what happens? Well, that person who created the law is going to punish you. Because you have to stay in line with that law, and that's what that's what God's law was. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah. People think that you know God just destroyed a whole gay city. Okay, He did not destroy a whole gay city. There was <laughs> there was homosexuality, but there was it was it was wicked. Like it was wicked, and I don't think that homosexuality was the only sin that was in existence in Sodom and Gomorrah, because. That it, it just feels, yeah, it feels a little, a, a little, a little wrong, and that's that's what I actually learned in in this book. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? Is that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't just this homosexual town, and God God hated the hated the the crap out of it, and so He just sent a great ball of fire against it. There was much more wickedness happening in it. And the most wicked thing that they did was that they turned away from God. They didn't follow God. That's the most wicked thing that you can do, is turn away from God, and that's exactly what they did. And then they did all these other things, and homosexuality happened to be one of those things that they did. Later on in the Bible, we get to the New Testament, and Paul talks about homosexuality. He talks about it in Romans, and he talks about how men gave up natural natural ways with women in exchange for for pleasure with men. And he talks about it in the in the in the Corinthians. I think he talks about it with um, uh, straight sexuality. And he, he even, he even uh, goes against that because it was, it was like incest, I'm pretty sure. That's not right. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and, he can, and he talks about, you know, it usually was included in the list, uh, sexual morality, and then homosexuality would maybe come right after the, the sexual Im- immorality part. But in he but he says will not inherit the kingdom of God, and why is this? Well, Christians know why this is. Is it's because it was the way that God intended it to be. It was not natural, which I've said already multiple times in like the last three minutes. So Christians know that, and by now, probably non-Christians know that because we've said it so many times. But why? Why is it so unnatural? And this is the question that. I asked in when I first went to Genesis is why why a man and a woman why do they complement each other yes the character and everything but what is it symbolic of what the, the the question is is what is marriage you have to ask what is marriage because if you can define marriage then you can find the answer in whether or not homosexuality is okay and if homosexual marriages are okay you can find the answer in in Ephesians is where I'd go first is in Ephesians and it talks about wives and husbands and their relationships to each other and that one can also be used as an argument against or for you know against or for the roles of a of a woman and a man but 
it's what that it's what that represents as a as something greater than than what it actually is seen on paper is it represents the relationship between the Christ, between Christ and the church that is what marriage is that's what marriage is intended for is this relationship between Jesus who is the is the head of the church which it happens to be the male in the relationship the husband and he leads and he's responsible and he takes care of this church and he and he and he's disciplined and he's dis- disciplinary and the, the same for the husband the husband is that is a symbol of that and the wife represents the church represents us and our submission and our respect and our support of Christ and of the husband if you go to if you go to revelations it talks about this 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 wedding uh, a marriage where Christ and the church finally become one where we can be in the presence of God and we can bask in his holiness and get new bodies and live these perfect lives and it's a hetero relationship it's not a, a homo it's not same it we're not the same as Christ we're not the same as God even in, in our perfection we won't be the same as God and that's what marriage is is marriage is so profound and 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 secular marriages don't realize this, and some Christian marriages don't even realize this. That marriage is so profound and represents something so greater than themselves. It it really is a mystery, and that is what Paul talks about. Uh, Paul the apostle, Paul the apostle, the apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians is this is such a profound mystery that that God has created and, and designed is that we can get a glimpse of what our relationship between Christ in the churches and what what we are because essentially in the relationship the church me myself I'm a member of a church Calvary Community Church St. Cloud off of Roosevelt I'm a member of that I am the wife in this in this relationship with the church in Christ and I will be present at that at that marriage at that wedding day in the end times in 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 that hetero relationship and that's what that's what that's why homosexual marriage is wrong because it it's not a symbol of what the relationship between Christ and the church is that'd be two Christs you can't have two Christs you can't have two gods there's only there's only one god the bible says there's only one god with a capital g and you can't have two churches i mean when I say churches, I mean universal churches. You can't have two. It doesn't work because they can't uphold each other because they they have the same responsibilities, the same structure, the same, in quotes, chromosomes. And so that's 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 my biggest argument. And uh, and however, that's not something that you can really say to. I mean, you can. Say say that to in an argument to the the gay community, but they're not going to understand it. Why aren't they going to understand it? Well, because they don't believe in the gospel. They don't believe it to be true for themselves. So, and if they're not going to believe in in Christ and what Christ is supposed to be for us and what He's supposed to represent, then they're not going to believe in what marriage is supposed to look like. And that's why it looks right. That's why they don't get it. You know, Christians are like I don't know how. I heard Christians say, you know, I don't understand how they can even know how this is 
wrong in the whole love is love. Well, because when you when you don't truly know what love is, then you're then you're gonna mess it up, and you're gonna mess it up pretty pretty bad. And if you want to find true love, you're gonna find it in Christ. You're gonna find it in John three sixteen. It's the most popular verse in the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is love. And that is that is a relationship where God is sacrificing for his church, for his people. And Ephesians even talks about that, where a husband should lay down his life for his wife. Just as Christ laid down his life for his people. That's what that's what makes homosexuality wrong is because it's not natural, because it's not even spiritually natural. Not only is it physically unnatural, it is spiritually unnatural. For those who may be listening to this and are not Christians or don't read the Bible and not dedicated your lives to Christ, I I would uh, encourage you to reach out to me. And if you don't want to reach out to me, then read read the Bible. Look up look up things that that, that talk about this, just so you know what what the Bible says about it. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that you shall hate gay people. It doesn't say that at all. It doesn't even imply it. There's there's no implications in the Bible that that say that that if I were to create a, a, a spectrum between the worst human being in that can ever exist to the greatest, most holy, righteous man, that Christians are are further up on the are, are higher up on that spectrum than than homosexuals. The it's it, it's not true, and the Bible doesn't even say it's true. And Jesus Jesus doesn't specifically talk about homosexuality. He doesn't even mention homosexuality to my knowledge. I've read all four of the Gospels, and I haven't heard him talk about it. I've heard him talk about marriage between a man and a woman, which was natural during those times, because to even think of homosexuality was so unnatural. It was way out of there back, <laughs> way out of here back then. That I'm not even sure if Jesus had to address it, because it wasn't, it wasn't a problem in that culture. He talked about problems in that culture. And then in our culture today, we talk about how the truth he spoke, the absolute truth, can relate to things in our culture. And so when Jesus talks about a straight marriage, when he talks about divorce and he talks about sexual immorality, he doesn't mention men with men because it just wasn't uh, it just wasn't natural. And if if you were here today, I don't know if you talk about homosexuality. I, I have a feeling he would because it is considered natural and he talks about what about the culture. He talked about the Sabbath then. If if he came now, he wouldn't talk about the Sabbath now. Of course, we'd still be having the Sabbath because there's no longer need for it. It's, it's a Jewish tradition. I don't know. <laughs> but the, some some of the things that they did then, he wouldn't even talk about now. He probably wouldn't use fishing as an analogy when he says, uh, you are now fishers of men. We don't all fish for a living. Fishing is a hobby now. I mean, people in Alaska fish, but so he, he talks he talks to the culture and, and, and relates to the culture 
and so that's why he doesn't talk about homosexuality, but he talks about marriage and what it represents, and it's between a man and a woman. But he also says to love your neighbor. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's in Matthew 19, 22, I believe. He says, love your neighbor. He doesn't say, love your your straight neighbor more than your gay neighbor. He doesn't say, love your neighbor who doesn't fall for other men. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that. He says, love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? The world. The world is your neighbor. We all, we all live in the same place. Have you heard the song Earth by Lil Dicky? We're all, we're all just living on the same planet. We, we all take care. Of, we're all supposed to take care of the planet together. We're all supposed to take care of each other because we are one big community. And so you are supposed to, you are called, not supposed, you're called. It is commanded to love your neighbor. Because Jesus says this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Like it's an order that you love your neighbor. And that's something that I don't see from the Christian community at all. Okay, maybe not at all, but very rarely. And even if I don't see ex like explicit discrimination where a Christian goes out of his way to hate on the gay community, a lot of it, and hey, I'm at fault of this too. I really, I really am. Like this is convicting for even me to say, a, a Christian will just prevent himself from being around the gay community. He'll, 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 he'll skirt around it so that he doesn't have to, or she doesn't have to come in contact with that. And it's, it's subjectively choosing your, or objectively choosing who, who you want to share the gospel with. If you don't, Who's going to reach out to the gay community if all the Christians are running away from the gay community? They deserve the gospel just as much as we deserve. They deserve to hear the gospel just as much as we deserve to hear the gospel. We don't deserve the gospel. <laughs> but the gospel is meant for all people. It's meant to save all people. It doesn't save all people, but it's it can save all people, including that community. So those are those are my words to of encouragement to Christians is re reach out to, to your gay neighbor, love them, share the gospel with them, share who you are and, and show them what, what it actually means to be a Christian. You know, I have a testimony. When I was in Spain last year, last summer, I talked to this woman. Honestly, there's only two names that I remember from that trip, from, from talking to Spaniards. There's only two names. And, sorry, one of them was Manuela, a woman. And I talked to her, and we talked to her about the gospel, and, and she started out the conversation with, F God, F Jesus, screw, you know, screw them and everything. And I asked her a simple question. I said, why, why do you hate God? And she thought she she thought she insulted me. She didn't insult me, but she thought she did, and she immediately became apologetic. And 
started to back down and I, I, I kept persisting like, no, no, no. Like explain this. I don't, I don't care if you explain it to me. And one of the reasons why she had such a problem with Jesus is because she was communicated to by, by Christians that Jesus hates gay people. Jesus hates black people. Jesus hates almost everybody, I guess. <laughs> and I told her, like, no, that's that's not true. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Jesus is the most loving man that you could ever meet. Ever meet. And if you tell me, no, that's not true, I mean, name, name, name somebody that willingly chose to come down to earth from God form and become holy God, holy man, live for 33 years, sh- sharing the, the gospel and salvation, healing people, and then dying on the cross for you. And he hasn't even met you physically. Yet he died for you. Name one more loving act. Seriously. And I, I, and I told her about Jesus and, and what he did on the cross. And tears filled her eyes. I do not believe she became saved that day. But she became more accepting of Jesus than she was before we entered this conversation with her. And what, I, what I'm saying in, in saying this story is that Jesus loves gay people. He loves, he loves them just as much as he loves me, and he wants to save them from their sins just as much as he wanted to save me from my sins and, and did. Sorry, that little clinking there is my watch. I'm playing with it. My bad if it's distracting. <laughs> so the next topic then, or like subtopic of this is, now that I've said all this, is, is, is homosexuality a sin, which, you know, throughout this whole podcast, uh, duh, you kind of said that. It is and it isn't. And I'll, I'll explain why. I am not gay. I'm very straight. I've had no no struggles with homosexual homosexuality. I've never lusted after a man. I've never laid with a man. I've never done I've never done those things. But when it comes to sexuality, I I am a virgin, which for some of you could be embarrassing for for me to say or think that I'm embarrassed in saying that. Um but I'm not. However, I haven't been sexually pure my whole life either. I've I've looked looked at things that I shouldn't have, and and it. I'm, I mean, I'm a guy. Not that that's an excuse, but it's 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 natural for for men to have that sexual desire in them. And so I have not been perfect with my sexual purity, and I've sinned, and I've sinned against God. And I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I I confess and I and I and I do my best to to better myself in that area to not go into temptation, not to act upon my temptation. I'll be tempted. I mean, the Bible ensures it <laughs> that that I will experience temptations and trials. But temptation isn't a sin. Temptation is probably the gateway to, to sin. It's a, it's a, it's a gate. If you, if you're walking down a path and 
you come to a gate and you know that beyond that gate is a place where you shouldn't go because you know that there are dark things past that gate and you know that they will harm you. But yet you're still tempted because it looks very pleasing. That's not, that's not a sin to be tempted by that. That's nature. We are all flawed by sin. We were cursed by Adam and, and what he did in the garden. But we haven't acted upon those temptations yet. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted for he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan three times. And at the um, was it Gethsemane? Gethsemane? I can't remember. I can't remember the name. Shoot, I, I look really bad right now. But when he prayed, he asked God to take this cup from him, so that he wouldn't want to do this. The, the flesh part of Jesus did not want to die on the cross, but that wasn't sinful of him. It was it was his it was his flesh and his spirit fighting against each other, and he was so stressed that he sweat blood, and he ended up dying on the cross. He didn't back away from it, and so I, when I, in relations to homosexuality, I do not believe that it is sinful for there to be gay men and women out there. I don't think that that is a sin to to have those temptations, those desires. I don't know why God would have put those desires in somebody. I'm not God. I can't answer for God. But I do know that every person struggles with with something. And I know that everybody struggles with probably one thing more than all the other things. (laughs) Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what that thorn in his flesh was. But we know that it it was harming him and it it was damaging him. But he persisted in... You know, people can say, oh, that's easy for you to say, you know, if, 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 if straight sexuality is so natural, then that, it gives a disadvantage to the homosexual community if they can't indulge in their desires. And yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm not saying that it is easier to be homosexual. In fact, I think it's hard. I think it's a lot harder. Because I've heard testimonies of Christians who were gay and have tried so hard to not be gay and they can't, it's, it's somehow wired in them. And I don't think that that is wrong. I mean, then they, then they have no hope for, for salvation. If you're just born gay and, well, guess I'm going to hell. (laughs) No, there is, there is salvation. Don't indulge yourself in those things. Just as someone who's tempted to steal isn't sinning, but once he grabs that item off the shelf and puts it in his pocket and walks out the door, he has sinned. But before he picked up the item, he was not sinning. He was merely just flawed by sin. And so that's that's pretty much everything that I have to say on, on this topic. And I know that it's kind of like a, oh, that was just kind of out of the blue, you know, just talking about homosexuality. But, you know, once again, with the whole Pride Month, I just want to, you know, encourage Christians to take a different approach than approaches that I've seen and to be loving, not to be, and to be accepting of the person, but not of the action. And just, just be a friend to these people. Don't, don't press the gospel on them. Don't take it and shove it down their throat. No, they don't need that. But just love them. Love them that you like you would love the the neighbor next to you who struggles with envy, who can't stop buying big toys because he's always trying to keep up with his next door neighbor. 
It's just as sinful. So, in conclusion, Christians, love your gay neighbor and be like Christ. And I hope I hope people learn something from this and I hope people reach out to me and express to me their opinions and thoughts. I hope that I inspired critical thinking through all this. And I will see you all in the next episode. Thanks. Bye.